Welcome to the IEAM podcast. Today we are speaking with Dr. Todd Bridges, who is the U.S. Army's Senior Research Scientist for Environmental Science. He's also the director of the Center for Contaminated Sediments at the U.S. Army's Engineer Research and Development Center in Vicksburg, Mississippi. Todd is the lead author on a paper in the April 2012 issue of IEAM that addresses the process of managing and remediating contaminated sediment under various statutes in the United States. The paper is entitled, Accelerating Progress at Contaminated Sediment Sites, Moving from Guidance to Practice, and discusses ways to expedite the cleanup process and decrease the overall cost. Todd, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, you're welcome, Jenny. I'm happy to participate. We're happy to have you here. For the first question, let's just give listeners a, a bit of a background to the issue at hand. Would you briefly describe the extent to which contaminated sediments are a problem in the U.S. and also explain the statutory procedures to clean up and manage these sites? Sure. In 1997, the U.S. EPA issued their sediment survey report, which estimated that there were about 1.2 billion cubic yards of surface sediment in the U.S. that pose some potential for environmental risk. If you look at it from the Superfund program's perspective in the United States, there are about 300 sediment sites in the Superfund program. And among those 300 sites, or included within those 300 sites, there are about 30 sites that are expected to cost in excess of $50 million to clean up. And to give you just one specific example among those, the Hudson River cleanup is expected to cost on or about a billion dollars at the time of project completion. Contaminated sediments are also a major contributor to water body impairment under the Clean Water Act. They also substantially increase the costs of navigation dredging for the Corps of Engineers, the organization I work for, where we have to dredge between 200 and 300 million cubic yards of sediment a year in order to maintain our country's network of navigation channels and infrastructure. And the cost of managing a cubic yard of sediment that's contaminated can vary by as much as a thousand-fold, depending upon the circumstances and the degree of contamination. The processes we have in place for managing contaminated sediment are quite varied. There are numerous laws and regulatory programs at the federal and state levels, including the Superfund program. There's also RECRA, the Resource Conservation and Recovery Act, and related regulations regarding solid waste. There are different sections of the Clean Water Act, the Marine Protection Research and Sanctuaries Act, as well as complementary state programs. So it's a broad array of regulatory processes that that are germane to this particular problem. Now, the overarching challenge for all of these cases is the need to move through those processes or navigate those processes that can be very complex and to identify and then to evaluate and ultimately select and implement cost-effective approaches for achieving, hopefully what you achieve is tangible risk reduction. Thanks for that, Todd. That just sounds like an overwhelming situation with over 300 sites, and those are just the Superfund sites. Yes, I mean, I think that's a fair characterization of the scope of the problem, and of course, that's just the United States. In this article, you and your co-authors describe the hierarchy of steps for remediating sites with contaminated sediments, and then you highlight the improvements for expediting the process and also saving on the total costs. 
Would you summarize the five actions you have identified as crucial for improving the effectiveness of this process? Sure. First, I want to say that in my experience, the individuals working these kinds of sites and these kinds of problems on behalf of government, the industry, and the public at large are knowledgeable and capable people, and they're all working hard to move these projects forward. Now, that said, the largest projects around the country where we have contaminated sediments are literally taking decades to complete. And that's why we organized the workshop around the challenge of developing ideas that would enable us to clean up contaminated sites in half the time and at half the cost. That was the challenge that was put forward. So we had a lot of positive engagement at the workshop. Lots of ideas were put forward. And what we've done in this paper is coalesce those ideas around five actions that we summarized in the paper. The first action recognizes the need for giving more attention and energy to developing a detailed vision for the future of the water body where these contaminated sediments are located. And that includes setting an explicit set of objectives and associated metrics for measuring progress toward the project's objectives and vision. These cleanup projects are complex. Many of them are occurring within urban settings where there's a mixture of contaminant sources and other stressors affecting the water body. And one of the realities that this complexity introduces is the need to explicitly distinguish what can be achieved from what can't be achieved by an individual project or regulatory program. The second set of actions involves ways of improving the productivity and effectiveness of stakeholder engagement in these projects. And as you can well imagine, there's a whole social dimension to these projects that we need to consider and give attention to. There can be dozens, and in some cases hundreds, of organizations and groups involved in these projects with a whole range of interests and perspectives that need to be considered. And we think that making more use of strategic risk communications and engagement approaches will produce real value for these projects in terms of accelerating schedules and progress toward completion at these sites. The third set of actions lays out an approach for optimizing the risk management process used to guide implementation of remedy actions at contaminated sediment sites. And there are two parts of this optimization as we describe it in the paper. The first lays out an approach for making greater use of what are called early actions, where a project can, if you will, buy down the risk through remedial actions that are taken at the front end of a project. And the second part of the approach lays out a specific logic for assembling an overall remedy for a site. The fourth group of ideas we describe relate to developing incentive structures that encourage progress toward risk reduction at these sites. These cleanup projects involve a lot of complicated legal, regulatory, and financial issues and risks, and several ideas and procedural actions were discussed and put forward at the workshop that we believe could accelerate projects toward closure and finality in a way that gives due consideration to these complex risks that uh, the parties face. In the fifth action, we describe uh, recognizes the value of pursuing remedial projects as collaborative activities. 
Anybody who's been involved in one of these projects has seen firsthand that the diversity of uncertainties and interests at play in these projects can lead to a variety of conflicts, conflicts that can bog down projects and schedules. And many of us recognize the value in terms of efficiency that cost sharing introduces to projects. Project dynamics are different when all the major parties have, you know, skin in the game, if you will, in the form of financial resources. Uh, the Great Lakes Legacy Act program that is administered by EPA's uh, Great Lakes National Program Office and the Urban Rivers Restoration Initiative are two programs that have uh, within them this idea of cost sharing. Uh, in the paper, we propose an example of how cost sharing could be used on a particularly challenging aspect of these projects, and, and that is addressing the so-called tail end of the risk or the last bit of the risk reduction that you'd like to achieve. I suspect that our listeners might particularly be interested in Action 3, which addresses optimization of the processes for risk reduction and risk management. Could you go into further detail of, of proposed Action Number 3? Yes. I think that most observers would recognize the incongruity in taking 20 or 30 years to reach a decision point or action on an environmental risk that is large enough to justify spending several hundred million dollars. Reducing the amount of time it takes to address the risk through remedial action really does serve the interests of human health and the environment. The faster we can get these projects completed, the better off, the less damage the environment or human health must suffer. The technical and scientific uncertainties associated with these projects certainly contribute to the extended project schedules, where we might see multiple rounds of data collection and analysis and modeling. And what we propose in the paper is more focus on potential solutions for the risks. Whether we're talking about a particular data need or modeling effort, it should be cast in terms of how it contributes to distinguishing remedy alternatives and assembling an overall strategy for the project. So if you're getting into the field with early actions to address obvious sources of risk that need to be addressed, that's certainly part of the approach. Now, the other element that we lay out uh, relates to how an overall remedy is developed. And the approach we put forward is for projects teams to make use of what we think of as a logical and sequential progression for adding additional engineering to a project and to the overall remedy. The processes contributing to, for example, monitored natural recovery, like burial through sedimentation, are occurring to varying degrees at all of these sites. So given this fact, the question then becomes, what do we need to do or what additional actions do we need to take in terms of engineering for these processes to accomplish our objectives? Are there ways, for example, to accelerate these processes by taking actions to enhance natural processes, for example, thin layer capping. And beyond this, how might we use more traditional capping? And then finally, well, what dredging or removal of sediments might be needed to address risks that cannot be addressed in any other way? So this approach is a different way of thinking about and analyzing and developing an overall remedy than the approach that has been taken in some cases in the past, which has relied heavily upon 
dredging and dredging first. And unfortunately, that approach, dredging and dredging first, has produced mixed success. Do other countries have problems similar to ours? And if they did, would your recommendations help improve their process as well? First, it is important to note that contaminated sediments are a problem worldwide. The legacy of human activities has a long resonance time in sediments. We're still dealing, for example, with sediments in the United States that have DDT and breakdown products of DDT in them, even though that compound and its use in the U.S. has been banned uh, for 40 years. It's also fair to say that the world's countries are at different stages in recognizing the nature of their problem and developing approaches for addressing the problem of contaminated sediments. Uh, regulatory processes, for example, in Europe through the Water Framework Directive are different than regulatory approaches in the U.S. or in Asia or elsewhere. And what I've observed through discussions with colleagues in other countries who are engaged in this topic of contaminated sediment management is that everyone is struggling with these challenges and how best to develop solutions to this problem. And that's one of the reasons why we wanted to publish the results of our workshop in IEAM. We wanted to share our thoughts about this problem and the lessons we think we're learning in the United States with others who are working on these challenges. Thank you so much, Todd. It was my pleasure, Jenny, and I'm grateful for the opportunity to talk about this subject. We've been talking with Todd Bridges about his upcoming article in IEAM entitled Accelerating Progress at Contaminated Sediment Sites, Moving from Guidance to Practice. Access the paper in the April 2012 issue of IEAM. Just go to ctacjournals.org. I'm Jenny Shaw, and thank you for listening to the IEAM podcast.